On episode 45 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Diagnosing Uber's Issues. The culture of the organization is set at the top and then has to be reinforced every layer through that organization to where it becomes a part of their DNA. You know, strategy and culture is not a document, it's more of a mindset. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Randy Lane. On today's podcast, Chip and I look at some of the problems facing Uber. The tech company has been in the news a lot recently. From sexual harassment complaints to the CEO getting into an argument with a driver, things aren't looking great. Chip applies his decades of experience fixing dysfunctional companies and offers insights any leader can use. All right, Chip, recently, I don't know if you've been watching the news, Uber is finding themselves in a little bit of trouble. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. I've, I've just paid attention to bits and pieces of it. I did watch the video of him interacting with one of the Uber drivers. He was sitting in the back seat, but I guess he got heat ahead of that, had some ups and downs, specifically with a woman, I guess, that wrote a blog post after she quit. Yeah, so I guess the long and short of it is a, a woman quit Uber after having issues of sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, she had a, a supervisor that was kind of sexually harassing her, asking her, to maybe do something with him. I'll leave that to your imagination there. Mm -hmm. And she declined. She went to HR, said, hey, this guy's not acting appropriately. And they said, you know, it's his first time offense. We don't really want to get him in trouble. He's climbing the career ladder. Let's just let it go this one time. And then when she talked to other females in the company, she realized this is actually a rampant problem. And HR was covering it up. Other people were covering it up. And it just put a light on the larger culture at Uber, which was kind of cutthroat and fast-paced and kind of um, sounds like a terrible place to work because everyone's trying to get everyone else's job and stuff. Have you seen situations like this before? Well, of course, but not that I'm absolutely not defending the CEO of Uber or even the culture itself, we are hearing it from the perspective of a disgruntled employee who has left. That's true, that's true. So step one is we have to understand that there's always two or three different paradigms in which we see things right. through. And so understanding that, I would start with, you know, defining is there a non-purpose culture there or not? Mm -hmm. So if we don't work on a culture, a culture will take on a life of itself. That's true. Every organization is going to have one regardless. So if we don't have an on-purpose one, then we just leave it up to whoever's it there, managers, leaders, you know, employees to create their own culture. And it's a slippery slope. And I think especially you hear about these Silicon Valley tech startups. They're so fast-paced, so fast-moving. People don't stay in the same job for very long. They don't have a lot of loyalty. They're just looking to climb up. And if you don't have a culture set in in stone there or guideline for your culture, you're going to run into that, aren't you? Well, yeah. And, and also think of how fast Uber grew. Oh, yeah. Uh, how many people they had to hire very quickly, how much money that was put into the program, how much, you know, they've been fighting since the very first day they started because they, they're fighting against opening up new markets and, and you know, taxi drivers and everything else. That yeah, goes like, with it. like in Austin, you can't use them. They're, they're shut out of Austin. Mm -hmm. We have them here in Waco. Um, we've used them in Dallas. We had a, um, 
a big academy in Dallas. Uh, this is like a year ago. And we wanted to get people from the hotel down to kind of like an entertainment district. So we got an Uber and they pulled up in this big black Escalade. I mean, it's an excellent service, really. But when you grow so quickly, you can run into a lot of issues. Sure. So what we do, and I, you know, of course, I would definitely would have worked with Uber and their CEO. Matter of fact, he came out in the paper, what, a week ago and said, you know, I'm going to look into leadership training. I think this is really important. I need it. I don't know if leadership training or development is exactly what he needs. I think there's a a lot of layers there. I think it's not just him. I think everybody in the organization needs to invest in that. But if if I was asked to, to counsel them at all, the first thing that I would say is, you know, and we use this process, we have a transformation model. We look at seven critical areas in an organization, and out of seven areas, culture is absolutely one of the most critical components because it sets the tone for everything. Culture is set by personal leadership, meaning emotional intelligence and trust and communication and the things that we do as a leader and the things that we let slide as a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, the zero tolerance policy may not be 100% what it should be, but if there's multiple situations and we let it slide a lot, that, that avoidance leadership concept never ends up good, ever. So we would start by asking them, you know, what are you doing right now to create a on-purpose culture? What does it look like? What are the negotiables and the non-negotiables? What are the things that we've outlined? Now, of course, HR or the CEO of Uber would say, well, sexual harassment's on the non-negotiable list. They know that. It's a bad thing, I would say. It's a bad thing. (laughs) They know that they're not supposed to, but, you know, it happens anyway. We're in corporate America. It's going to happen. We try and deal with it swiftly and quickly and as possible. But the tone that is set is, again, where it can get out of control if it's swept under the rug or not. And it's always an issue. We talk a lot about creating a high-performance workspace. And for me, that kind of is a environment where everyone is working together. They're all on the same page. You have a common goal and you all work around that common goal. Reading the reports of what's going on inside Uber, it sounds like everyone has their own agenda. And so how do you take a company that has people that are fighting to advance and fighting to do their own thing and have their own project be successful, even if it's to the detriment of another project inside the same company, how do you fix that? Well, it's the value of the organization hasn't necessarily been established. If I was a betting man, they are fast growth. I'm positive if they're like most startups that grow that fast. They are attracting a certain type of person that is chasing money or chasing promotion quickly or fame or whatever it might be. They attract a certain kind of person. And in that competitive world, fast-paced world, if you don't have a set of core values, a set of real principles in which, you know, 100 years from now, we are going to be established as Uber is known for X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that's not the case, if it's we are just evolving every single day, we're seeing new ideas, new stuff coming up, it's really exciting. And we don't focus on the core of who we want to be, quote, when we grow up, in a sense, it's going to, again, become a slippery slope. And when you move too fast, you don't grow at a reasonable pace, you grow exponentially. It is slippery. Now, organizations have done it. I mean, you look at Facebook, you look at Amazon, you look at, you know, Airbnb and some of these others, you know, time will tell. There might be plenty of stories that come out about them eventually. And they have their issues too. Yep. And they all have their issues. I would say that in that transformation model that we talk about, those seven areas, 
which are environment, strategy, core process, structure, systems, culture, and results. If we use that as a framework and we're constantly working and going back to that, you know, that category of culture and we're focusing on it and we're drilling down inside the organization and making sure that everybody understands our negotiables and non-negotiables, the why we do what we do, not the what and the how, but why we do it, how we have a high level of organizational integrity, not just business strategy, but organizational strategy. How do we treat each other? What's our mission, our vision, our purpose, our reason for being? What? How do we want to make an impact in the world? You know, those types of things attract certain kind of people. If you are just about growth and money and share prices and different things, and I'm not saying in this situation that woman was or that the CEO solely is about that. Uh, what I am saying is that the culture of the organization is set at the top and then has to be reinforced every layer through that organization to where it becomes a part of their DNA. You know, strategy and culture is not a document. It's more of a mindset. It's a mantra, in a sense, where they, we, we live it, we breathe it, we believe it. It is who we are, and those that don't follow it will see themselves as self-selecting out. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they'll be an outlier. They won't fit the paradigm of what we set up as the culture. And that'll fix some of the other problems that Uber's having now with people leaving because they don't like the culture or the culture has come to light and now they want to jump ship to something else. It's a big problem in Silicon Valley, but I feel like if you have that on-purpose culture, then you create that loyalty that'll keep people with your company, right? Yeah, and it starts with everybody getting up every day and going to work and understanding why they're there. If the sole reason they've been given or their initiative is growth, share price, profit, world domination in a sense, (laughs) you know, if that is, if that's it, well, it's going to bring out that side of human beings to where... You know, that, that aggressive, anything, anything goes, whole bar, you know, approach happens, especially if something does pop up like this example with two employees and it's not dealt with swiftly and that there aren't consequences. Well, now it's sending a message to everybody else in the organization that it's okay. It's okay. And that, you know, if you are a top producer, you can get away with a lot more than someone who's on the bubble or below. That's a very toxic attitude, I think, for a lot of companies, right? Yes. But if the why of the organization is share price, growth, you know, domination of competitors, uh, branching into new markets, or if the gap between who's in charge in this sense, in this situation, the CEO, if the gap between the CEO and everybody else, what's going on on a day-to-day basis because they're gone constantly and and there's a gap in communication, sometimes even the CEO has no clue what's going on. They come back to a whirlwind of reporters or whatever that might be saying, do you know what's happening? And if they're not equipped to be able to handle it and pull their troops in and say, what is going on? Why is this happening? How do we let this happen? How do we fix it? You know, Then you can get caught up in a downward spiral that could literally put them out of business. How would you counsel Travis Kalanick, especially in the situation? It's such an interesting situation to me because Uber is so big. So like the company is a huge size itself. But then on top of that, you have all the contractors that work for Uber, all the independent people that are running their own cars, which is how Uber functions. And so basically in a recorded scenario, he had a fight with his lowest level employee. Mm-hmm. So the, per- the boots on the ground, person driving the car every day, 
had a argument with the CEO. Have you ever seen a situation like that with such disparity between the the rank and the company? You know, that's probably it probably happens every day all over the place. But we are in the times where people have video recorders everywhere. Oh, yeah. And with video recorders and with tapes and everything else, it is so easy to take a snippet and get it twisted and out of context. I watched that video. I saw the way the Uber driver was accusing him of, you know, different things. He fought back. Mm-hmm. somewhat actually I didn't even think he was that far out of line to be honest with you right the way he responded because this uber driver is coming at him from his paradigm of what truth is and reality is the CEO on the other hand is saying I understand what you're saying but that's not the case this isn't you know we still have uber X we still do have this pricing model we still have that in the the driver and the CEO if I was to counsel him I would have said there is a time and a place to have this conversation and I'm more than willing to have this conversation with you because I I value your opinion I know what you're saying is powerful to you because I see the emotion and I want to give it full justice of the emotion that you have. Let's schedule a time. Here's my business card. I want to talk to you. And instead of getting into a back back and forth forth in the backseat of an Uber car (laughs) on his way out with a heated conversation, when we talk about emotional intelligence, there is the cause, the stimulus that happens, and then the gap between the stimulus and the reaction to the stimulus. Leaders that have a higher level of emotional intelligence put more space in between the stimulus and the reaction. Mm -hmm. Leaders with a lower emotional intelligence have a shorter gap between stimulus and reaction. And a lot of times that reaction hasn't had enough time to be thought through. So it has a negative consequence. I would have said the same thing. I was thinking if I were him, I feel like disgruntled employees, the number one thing they want is to be felt like they've been heard and understood. And especially if you don't have the exact answer or you don't want to get into it, just saying, listen, I hear you. I understand your concerns. I want to value you and address your concerns. Let's do that in a productive way. I feel like in most situations with a disgruntled employee, if you come from that space, like, let me hear your concerns and actually listen to them. And that's the best way to handle it, I think. Oh, absolutely it is. And what will happen now is instead of him dealing with it, and this is where the backlash has come from, instead of him dealing with it like we just described, mm-hmm. and it's easy for us to say that's in what we, yeah, right? in hindsight, <laughs> because we're not emotional and tied up, we're not being attacked by a, a, a driver. But let's say that uh, in that situation, we would have had the ability to say, this is important to you. I see it. I understand how passionate you are. I want to schedule a time to talk, so on and so forth. This video wouldn't have gone viral. Right. Now, not only does he have an issue with that one driver, but because this video now is being circulated around, now he has issues with lots of drivers and the public mm-hmm. and investors and employees and everything else. And it all stems, stems back from to absolute critical components of leadership, which is emotional intelligence and understanding self-regulation. And number two, how to build trust how to build and sustain trust and emotional intelligence and trust are again, cornerstones to creating a culture in which organizations thrive and and it sets a tone for how employees treat each other, how they work. Now you would think, well, does that mean I have to work in a staunchy organization where we can't have fun and we can't joke and we can't, you know, we're afraid of everybody's feelings and concerns, a big group hug, kumbaya fest, (laughs) you know, the answer is no, absolutely not. 
if trust is the foundation of the culture, then when situations are taken out of context or or innuendos are made or whatever the case might be, it doesn't have to be dealt with solely through HR. It could be, you know, one employee goes to the supervisor or to a, another supervisor, whatever it might be, and say, I don't know what's going on here, but I trust you enough to ask the direct question, am I understanding this correctly or not understanding it correctly? I don't want it to be a problem. I want to have a great working relationship. I don't want to have to go through HR or anything else. So help me understand clarity wise, because this isn't making me comfortable. And I want to make sure that I haven't misread it. Mm-hmm. You have to have a high level of trust and a high level of high level of emotional intelligence to be able to have that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. If you don't have trust, if you don't have a high level of emotional intelligence, whether the sender or receiver, then we have to go the traditional route of I took screenshots, I sent it to HR, I'm going to get you fired. I'm That's gonna, the worst. Yeah, I'm going to go through a channel that isn't trusting, mm-hmm. it doesn't use, it doesn't rebuild trust or teamwork or any of the stuff that we're trying to build on, it's backhanded. And now, if you read the, her post, even even though she decided to stay on that team, she knew, they told her right up front, you're not going to get a good performance review. Right. You know, this is going to cause conflict and because now there's tension. It goes back to trust. It goes back to emotional intelligence. It goes back to honest and open communication. These are the cornerstones of high-performing organizations. Mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting, you know, a lot of companies, the CEO is so far removed from the frontline employee that they may have trouble taking the temperature of the company and seeing how things are. But I don't know how often Travis does this, but he has the opportunity every time he goes anywhere to be in the car with one of his employees and to see how things are going. So I think of any company, he has a a unique perspective on making sure that things aren't out of hand at any point in the chain. Oh, yeah. And for years, you know, it's been called walk around leadership or whatever, whatever term it is. But basically what it's saying is people that are at the senior level in organizations weekly, daily, monthly, whatever it might be, they need to get out of their office and they need to walk around. They need to talk to employees. They need to find out what's going on. They need to talk to customers. They need to randomly show up and do a quality control inspection, whatever it might be, so that they have a pulse on what's happening. And it becomes more and more difficult the faster and the larger the organization grows. Right. And if they're outside funded then the pressure to produce a return for those investors sometimes outweighs doing it right. And that's, again, all of these symptoms show up. You can see a train wreck happening when some of these symptoms show up. Now, can they overcome it? Can they learn from these and move on? Absolutely. I just, right before this podcast, noticed that he put a post out there that he's looking for a COO, that they're on a search right now. He needs to bring a second in charge in there to help do some of the things that maybe might be a blind spot for him or a weakness, which is great. And if they can do it and turn things around and fix some of these problems, I think they'll they'll last a long time. But if they don't, this is not going to stop happening. I think there's a media bias towards people saying we have these CEOs that are like all-knowing, amazing, superpower people, 
Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, even Travis Kalanick, people are saying he's the whiz kid. He knows everything. But I think it's so valuable to find people that fill in those gaps that you don't have and to seek the counsel of people that you look up to that you respect. The wisest people do that. The ones that don't, (laughs) that are out there by themselves, are the ones that... I don't want to speak negatively about our president, but my goodness, he gives us a lot of information, <laughs> a lot of a lot of examples of how at times it's better to surround yourself with really bright people and let them do their job and, you know, back off on your opinion about everything and don't let your lack of emotional intelligence at times get you in trouble. And we see that way too much with people that have a big personality and their big personality has gotten them so far in their career that they believe that, well, just more of me mm-hmm. will, will produce even more results. And there is a diminishing effect after a certain area. But if you don't have emotional intelligence, you don't see that. You think, well, if a little bit of me they like, a whole lot of me will be only that much better. And that doesn't always play out. So if you're looking into your crystal ball into the future, you've seen uh, Uber having all these issues. If they make substantive changes, how do you see them? Do you see them weathering the storm and becoming an even better company? If they do the right things. And there's multiple examples of organizations that have dealt with this, if not worse, problems. You know, you look at big oil companies that have massive oil spills that, and they cover the coastline and billions of dollars and so on and so forth. One of the first things that they do is go on the offensive and say, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. We are sorry. We know this was a mistake and we want to make it right. We care about our employees. We care about our customers. We care about the environment. We care. We're sorry. And we're going to, we're going to back it up by showing you. Now, sometimes it's government required in oil (laughs) situation. They're required to spend that kind of money to do it. But a lot of times it's, it's a PR thing where, defending your actions sometimes is worse than just saying, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry, we're going to make changes. We don't want to be this type of organization. Even if it's being played out in the media and we think it's over-exaggerated, even a little bit's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. We're going to fix this. We don't like what's happening. And it starts with me, the CEO, as a responsibility. Taking ownership and committing to change, you become yesterday's news. Right. If you defend, deny, accuse, go on the offensive that way, it very quickly becomes even more fodder for the news to to spin and turn into drama and it can be devastating. What does it do to your reputation as a leader if you don't own up to your shortcomings? Every leader makes mistakes and the ones that don't they lie. <laughs> That's their mistake. <laughs> they lied about mistake. Every leader makes mistakes. We're all human beings. We get up every morning, put our pants on and go to work like everybody else. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. We're not going to always have the right answer. And just like any relationship, and I do believe leadership is a relationship, you know, just like a spouse or a parent or a friend on occasion as a parent, I screw up. Mm-hmm. As a spouse, I screw up. As a boss, I screw up. I mean, it happens. And when you screw up, the first thing you do is you acknowledge, hey, that's my bad. I screwed up. I I shouldn't have done that. I, I, you know, broke your trust or I, you know, got you, you know, I I didn't use my head. Whatever you want to call it, acknowledging I'm human, I screwed up, I'm sorry, but I acknowledge it and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it right and I'm going to do whatever I can in the future not to do it again. 
that goes a long ways with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you believe that you're above doing that that erodes trust, and it's a slippery slope. So if all this came out with with Uber, and instead of saying, we need some leadership, we need to look for a COO, if, if Travis was like, well, that Uber driver was way out of line for even questioning me. I am the CEO of the company. How dare he? How would that have gone over, you think? Oh, terrible. Now, he might have gotten out of that car and all night and all the next day thought that, even <laughs> told his closest confidants that's the way he thinks. Like, mm-hmm. how dare this Uber driver, yeah. you know, challenge me? What What is he thinking? So on and so forth. But hopefully he's smart enough to surround himself with people that say, you can, you know, throw a fit all you want to, but come tomorrow morning, this is just a symptom of what's going on with this organization. And if we're seeing this multiple places throughout the entire organization, your self-denial or your willingness not to really dig in and look and see, is this a one-time occurrence or are we starting to see a, a trend here? A really good leader will say, you know what? We have had multiple things pop up here recently. Maybe there is a problem. We need to figure this out and figure it out fast. Otherwise, we're in trouble. I kind of like this. It's like... Uh Frazier, watching Frazier back in the day, they have the, the radio request line. Yes. Tell me your problems. I'll give you some answers. <laughs> it's like that, but with leadership. We're evaluating companies and helping them find their problems. There is nothing new in leadership. It has been around for thousands of years, and it's really about building a relationship with the people that follow you, building trust, being accountable for your own actions, the emotional intelligence level, but having a clear vision, a strategy of what you want to accomplish, and rallying people behind you that believe in what you believe and pointing the direction and trying not to screw it up. I mean, people are really talented and the best leaders are the ones that can figure out, do I have the right people on the bus and can I point them in the right direction and then do everything I can to support them, you know, on this joint mission uh, of whatever our strategy is. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Chip. Okay. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.